0: Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to walk in your royal identity in Christ and experience God's goodness in every area of your life. I hope you enjoy this message today, and if you're looking for more resources, check out chrisvallotton.com. Merry Christmas. How many of you, like, Christmas is a big holiday for your family and you make a big deal out of it? How many... How many of you, uh, you don't, you don't make a big deal out of Christmas? Ah, oh, cool, yeah. Shame on you. <laughs> Just kidding. My, uh, my family's always made a big deal about Christmas even when we didn't have any money. I, I remember um, in Weaverville, we, we had lots of tight years. Wintertime was our tightest time of year, so Christmas came on the wrong time of year for us. And I remember this one year where we literally had no money. And, uh, and we, we, we had uh, a few presents under the trees. Kathy kind of made things for the kids. And you ever decorate your tree with popcorn? So we decorated our tree with popcorn. And, of course, we lived in the woods, so we had a tree. And uh, on the 24th of December, the pizza parlor, the local pizza parlor in town, called us and said, can you come down to the pizza parlor? I'm like, okay. So we went down to the pizza parlor, and Kathy had put... Uh, one ticket in to win this Avenger game, the uh, full professional size arcade game. And she won it with one ticket on the 24th. Yeah, so we brought that home, kind of wrapped it up for our kids and yeah. And our youth group doubled in size because of that adventure game. And you know, we could never get kids to come early to the youth group. Now they were like an hour early to every youth group meeting. So uh, that was just the way God provided it, but we got, um, you know, we're doing a lot better now, so Kathy's gone crazy, and the kids give a list three months ahead of time, and she shops for three months for those kids. <laughs> it is nuts. Uh, two years ago, three, uh, so she wraps presents, starts three months ago, start wrapping presents, but really about six weeks ago, where she's doing it every night. And so two years ago, I decided, she went shopping, and I thought, I'm gonna surprise her and wrap all the gifts, so. I didn't wrap them all, but I wrapped about 40 of them. When she got home, she's like, did you, whose gifts are these? <laughs> so let me say that my, my elf experiment failed, and I got fired, and now I'm not allowed to wrap gifts. <laughs> but I bought her some gifts yesterday, uh, and I wrapped them yesterday, and I I'd wrapped them with duct tape just to make a statement. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Let's come to that. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing. Um, Christ for the masses. And we just pray your blessing on our families and there would be a spirit of reconciliation in the room and even people that we that come to Christmas that we don't like that we'd suddenly fall in love with and that people who don't like us would really know, God, that we are good people and that you like us too. and. There would just be, there'd be liking going on, as well as loving going on. Help me. There would just be liking and loving going on in our homes, and people we haven't seen for years, and children who never come would come, and Lord, we pray for that, we pray that, that relatives who we've been in strain with our relationship, that they would just show up, and that we'd have an opportunity for the spirit of reconciliation to yeah. be on our homes, and it really would be Christ for the masses. Amen. Well, this is going to be a a good year. Um, Well, I have the privilege of preaching the Christmas message, which I don't do very often, so that's kind of cool. Bill preached last week, so I'm like, ha-ha. I guess he's preaching tonight, though, huh? So it probably won't be the Christmas message, but maybe. Okay. But why don't you turn to Luke chapter 1. So, you know, for 17 years, I don't know if Bill ever preached a Christmas message in Weaverville, probably shared some verses, but... Uh, you know, and then now, you know, he shares uh, on season a lot, and I'm like, wow, you know, the man has grown up, so I'll try it too. <laughs> so let's, uh, we're going to do a little bit of the Christmas, we're going to do the Christmas message, but it might be, I like to talk about the power of Christmas. So uh, turn to Luke chapter 20, uh, chapter 1, verse 26, and we're going to start here, um, and you'll recognize these verses, and I, I hope that there's going to be some good revelation in, um, in the message. Uh, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, who was a descendant of David. Would you say descendant of David? And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great, and we will call the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. Would you say the throne of his father David? And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said, how can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angels answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and um, will overshadow you. And for this reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. Um, This is uh, really powerful. Um, You know, the question, I think, is when we're talking about the birth of Christ, how did Mary actually get pregnant? Obviously, she was a virgin. So, and what I mean by that is, did God put the egg and the sperm in her or did God, did God just, did God fertilize the egg of Mary? And there's, this this is a really big deal because the question is, is Jesus fully man and fully God? And I'd like to point out, and I see people making statements all the time, especially recently around the birth of Christ, that, that Jesus was fully God and that, God impregnated her with the egg and the sperm. But I'd propose to you that she was actually a traditional surrogate in that it was her egg and God's sperm. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter two, verse 14. The Hebrew writer writes, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, speaking of Jesus, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him Who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who, through the fear of death, were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to the angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things which pertain to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in which he suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. I want to uh, read you one more verse before I comment on this. Um, It says in Galatians 4 verse 1, Now I say to you, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is the owner of everything. He is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. Also we... While we were children, we were held in bondage under elementary things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who are under the law, and that, he might receive the, uh, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I wanted you to notice that He was born of a woman, not just in a woman. And I want you to notice that in um, the Hebrew writer, says that he took, speaking of Jesus, he partook of the same sufferings by becoming a man. And what I'm getting at is that Jesus was both the Son of Man and the Son of God. He was the Son of Man because he was born of Mary. How many know that Joseph was never Jesus' father? You, you notice that we never pray Mother God, we pray Father God. Because how many know, metaphorically speaking, Mary is our mother. But how many of you know that God is our Father when we're born again? Because we've been born of the seed of Christ. Are you with me? And we're in the lineage of Christ. We're going to talk about that more. But isn't it exciting that Jesus became both the Son of God and the Son of Man? Uh, you know, He became the Son of Man so that sons of men could become sons of God. Are you with me? Some of you are like, ooh, too much information. In Luke chapter 2, let's turn there, verse 41. This is the story of uh, Jesus as he uh, got a little older. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast, and they were returning after spending the full number of days. And the boy Jesus stayed behind, uh, behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. But supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among the relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. And then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued to be in subjection to him. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. I never noticed this, but um, we'll probably talk a, a couple, about a couple of these. But it's Mary three times in the story of Jesus, Mary treasured all these things in her heart. Mary pondered all these things in her heart. She said to you, your father and I were, why did you do this to your father and I? And he said, I was in my father's house. You should have known that. The point is, Joseph's not my father. I have a father. He's my heavenly father. You know, this is the last time we hear about Joseph in the life of Jesus. Mary, I'd like to point out that Joseph never adopted Jesus. It was, it was, it wasn't not allowed for Joseph to adopt Jesus because Jesus was supposed to be fully God and fully man. He was fully man because he was born of Mary. He wasn't just born in Mary, but he was born of Mary. And he was fully God because he was born of the sperm of, of God himself. Are you with me? So um, <laughs> I, I love this part. And I love that they lost Jesus for three days. I don't, know. I don't know why that sounds so funny, though. It's like, have you seen Jesus? You, you lost the Son of God for three days. I mean, you know, hello. Some of you would like to lose your kids around Christmas time just so you can get some shopping done. Like, I lost the children, look for them. No, no, they'll, they'll find their way back. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read this. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken in the inhabited earth. And this was this first census was taken when Quantus was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the family of David, in order to register along with Mary. So he who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave Birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Because there was no room for him in the inn. Because the reason why he was born in a manger is because nobody made a reservation in the inn. I, I don't know if this, <laughs> what this does to you, but do you know that it was, uh, that Revelation says that Jesus was crucified from the foundation of the world? So they had like thousands of years to make a reservation. <laughs> but nobody made a reservation in the end. Do you get that? Like they were called for a census and the hotels and the, you know, the, the bed and breakfast were all full. Literally, like people say, oh, well, you know, it's because they were supposed to be born in a major. No, there was no prophecy about him being born in a major. He was born in a major specifically because no one registered him in a hotel. And I don't know what this does to you, but have you ever felt like God told you to do something and then it doesn't go well? And you're like, oh, it can't be God. I'm like, Jesus Christ was born in a barn. And we're like, oh, it's like an activity scene. No, 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 I have horses. I know what barns are like. And let me tell you, that nativity steam stinks a lot more than you think it does. And Jesus was not born in a barn because God's like, let's have him born in a barn. Maybe that's what happened. But the scripture says that he was born in the manger specifically because there was no room inside hotels. <laughs> and I just want to say to you, like, you, some of you are here and you're like, you have things going on in your life. And you think, well, God called me to Bethel or God called me this job or God called me this marriage or, you know, God told me to have a son. And, you know, <laughs> God, God, God instructed me to do something, and therefore I thought it was gonna all be like, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. <laughs> and nobody told me that the stream had waterfalls continually and that there were, you know, there were, yeah, people die in this river. And, and, and it's like, and, I, and I'm questioning whether or not I heard God, and I'm like, Jesus was born in a barn where it was a pretty crappy story. (laughs) Okay? It wasn't beautiful. (laughs) Okay. Okay, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, there was some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified... They were terribly frightened. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Today in the city of David there was born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing which had happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he laid in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which they had been told by the, about the child. And when they heard it, they wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But listen this. But Mary, Mary treasured all these things, pondered them in her heart. <laughs> We've heard that statement already, haven't we? The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for they all heard and seen what they had all heard and seen just as it had been told to them. Uh, this is a beautiful story that shepherds in a field who aren't even looking for Christ have angel encounters with glory clouds <laughs> maybe I don't know. I added the glory cloud. This is like there was glory. There was all this going on, and 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 they they weren't even they weren't even looking for Christ. I mean, they didn't have. I mean by this, what I mean by that is they they didn't even know Christ was born. And, and I, I was thinking about this story, and I was thinking about seasons in our life. Have you ever been in a season? Maybe you're in this season in life. When your friends are going to conferences and church and they come home, they're like, oh my gosh, (laughs) the Holy Spirit came on me and shababa, shababa. And 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 you're just like, and and the glory cloud came and, and you're like, and you're with four kids. And you're like, you know, oh, that's amazing. And aside, you're like, yeah, whatever. Or maybe you're in that season where you're having to work two jobs and you can't get to church three times on a weekend. You can't go to a conference because you're raising kids or having to make some money to feed them those mouths. And you're, and you're just like, you just have this inner turmoil because you're like, I wanna be in the ministry. And your friends come on with these stories and you pretend like you're happy, but inside there's something lurking. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, glory clouds, who needs them? I remember when our kids were little, we we had started a business and our kids were, you know, I I think Jay was about nine months old. So probably from nine months to about four years old. And Kathy was doing the accounting at home and she's, man, she's like, I mean, motherhood is her superpower. Let me tell you that. And fatherhood is not mine, especially with little children. And so uh, I remember coming home one day, probably six o'clock, 6.30 at night. I, I get home, I, I get to the front door, and she's waiting for me, which this never happens. She's waiting for me, and she's crying. And she says, I have to go, I don't know when I'll be back. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, and, and, and I'm like, that's not her at all. That's like, she's Miss Stable Abel, or Abby, <laughs> or whatever she should be. And so, I, so I, I get all the way in the house, and she said, dinner's on the table for the kids, and Jason's been crying for eight hours. And I hear him screaming when I get in there. She's like, I don't know what to do. I gotta get, I gotta get away from you. I just gotta get away. I, 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 you know, I just, I gotta go. I don't know when I'm coming back. I'm like, I'm thinking, minutes? Hours? Certainly not days? And so I I walk in the house, and I get the kids seated at the table, the two girls seated at the table, and he is screaming. He's upstairs screaming his lungs out. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, if 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 superwoman can't solve this problem, I don't know what Pee Wee Herman's going to do, but (laughs) certainly we'll go upstairs and give her a try. So I go upstairs, and she has the door closed, and he is standing in his crib, and he is blue from screaming. He's not crying. He is... Screaming. And so, you know, I I picked him up and I I just did everything. I I didn't breastfeed him. (laughs) But I tried everything. I held him, I rocked him, I talked to him. And an hour went by, he's screaming, not just screaming. So I put him in the crib and he's screaming and I'm like, I've tried everything. I walked him around, I done everything. I checked his diaper, I changed it even though it was dry. I'm like, what is going on? What do I do? So pretty soon, I am screaming at him. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! And then this thing clicks in my mind, and I hear, what are you doing? And I just said to myself, I have no idea. And I walked out of the room, and I shut the door. He's still screaming, and I cried. I cried because I was so close to grabbing that kid. And by the way, I've never abused my kids for streaming now. I've never abused my kids. (laughs) Neither has Kathy. But I knew that moment why some parents go over the edge, because it was so frustrating. And I think there are people in these seasons, where you're the shepherds shepherding the flock. And like everyone's telling you, oh, Holy Spirit moves so powerfully. Oh God, show me this revelation. Oh, I was in, and, and the worship was like, oh, heavenly, and the angels showed up. And you're like, whatever. And I wanna tell you that the Lord knows how to find you wherever you are. You aren't gonna miss Jesus. <laughs> Wherever you are, the angels will come when you're doing what you're called to do. They'll know just where to find you. It might be shepherding stupid sheep in the middle of a rainstorm and hearing the smelly stuff and God goes, huh, I'm gonna put them in the manger so you'll feel right at home there. You don't even have to change to get here. And you'll be like the person in the know because you're like, this is what I do for a living. I change crappy diapers and this is where the Holy Spirit's moving. And what I'm pointing out to you is you, God is not going to let you miss your moment. That's such a good word right there. Look at Matthew chapter two, verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, the magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have been come and have come to worship him." When Herod the king heard When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together the chief priests and the scribes and the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, In Jerusalem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, uh, land of Judea, are no means least among the leaders of Judea, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." This is, uh, this is a crazy verse, because how many of you know, the astro- these were not astronomers, these were astrologers. And, and, and uh, you know we're not talking about like sorcerers or, or you know, people reading horoscopes or anything like that. But these are people who studied the heavens to determine the future, and therefore God gave them a sign in heaven. I'd like to point out that if you love God, no matter where you look, you'll find him. I don't mean like in Buddha or in, like, I don't, I I should say, I don't have to say this to you, but because we're streaming. I'm not talking about in some other religion. I'm talking about the fact if you have a heart for God, you will find him because he will be found of you. If you're like Herod and you have negative, and you have, you have some bad motive, you can't find God if he's standing right in front of you. But how many of you know, if you are a religious freak, you can't find God if he's doing miracles right in front of you. But how many know if you have a heart for God and you're looking at the stars, the Lord's like, I'll give you a star and tell you right where he's at. Have you ever wondered where these magi, these magi even knew there was a Messiah? Well, I know you're going to ask, so that's why I prepared the message for you. (laughs) Do you remember Daniel? Daniel got taken, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got taken into Babylon. Remember the story? as POWs? Well, they win the heart of Nebuchadnezzar the king. Daniel becomes one of the chief magicians. Mugicians, are you with me? Not musicians, (laughs) Mugicians. As a matter of fact, the king changes his name, Daniel's name, to Belchelzar. Why? Because the king is a polytheist. He believes in multiple gods. And his, the king's god, is Belchelzar. So he names Daniel the name of his god. It gets worse. It gets worse. And then he puts Daniel over all the magicians. Yes. Yes. Hey, I didn't listen, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. Okay, let me read it to you. Daniel 4:9. Obel Chelzar, who's Daniel, chief of the magicians. Are you with me? But what you may not know is the magicians got shortened to magi. The name magicians got shortened to magi, and Daniel led the magi, and Daniel saved the lives of all the wise men, right, who included the magi when he, when, he got, when he was able to tell the king his dream and interpret it, because the king was gonna kill all the wise men, including the magi, are you with me? So Daniel becomes the chief of the magicians. This is a weird story, because he won't eat the king's vegetables, but he will take on the king's demonic name and become the chief of the sorcerers. I'd like to point out that not only could Daniel not be an elder in any church in America, he couldn't even be an usher. But what you may not know is 530 years before Christ, he leads these sorcerers, these stargazers, are you with me? He leads these stargazers into a connection with Jehovah, teaches them the Word of God. How do we know that? Because they're quoting Isaiah, and out of you, O Bethlehem of Judea, he teaches them the scriptures. They are mentored by Daniel. They become magi who actually know God. And are looking in the stars. And God goes, you're looking in the stars? Okay, I'll take you to the church. And these, for 500, for 530 years, they become disciples of Daniel. Wow. <laughs> God, <it's not> <laughs> and how do they know about stars? Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. And God said, let there be light. And, and in the, oh, sorry. Let there be lights in the expansion of the heavens to separate the day from the night. We're talking about the sun and moon, okay? And let them be, get this, for signs, for seasons, for days, and for years. God put the sun and the moon in the heavens, not first for seasons, first for signs. (laughs) Acts 2, signs in the heavens. They were looking for God, not God's, God, because Daniel led them into a connection with Jehovah. They were looking for God to give them a sign for 530 years. And when the star showed up, are you with me? Why am I yelling? I don't know. And when the star showed up, They followed that star for 6,000 miles. They were not in the nativity scene. They did not get there in the manger. (laughs) I'm trying. Look at this. Chapter two of Matthew, verse seven. Now Herod secretly called the Magi to determine from the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search out carefully for the child When you have found him, report it to me, so that I too may come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went their way, and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them, until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child and Mary. They weren't in the manger, they were in the house." Why? It was two years later. How do you know it's two years later? Because the King King Herod killed all the children two years and under because they told him when Jesus was born, which it was two years later. What I'm getting at is they saw the star when Jesus was born. They followed the star, but it took them two years to get there because they traveled on a camel for 6,000 miles. Are you with me? And they presented him, verse 11, after coming to the house, they saw the child and Mary, and they fell to the ground and worshipped. And then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, that's not Frankenstein, by the way, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by by their own way. I would like to point out a few things. They were not wise men, and they were not kings. And there was not just three of them. The reason why they think there was three because there was three gifts, but actually, tra- tradition tells us there was probably twelve of them, and they were they were they were not ast- astronomers; they were astrologers. Now, I'm not talking about. Listen, let me be clear: astrology in our world is almost all cult-based horoscopes, crazy stuff. I think that the magi grew up. In that back in Daniel's day, but these magi were believers in God. They took their signs in the heavens as a sign of watching what God was doing, and how many know Romans 1 verse 20 says, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen in what God made. So the rest of the verse says, so that they, speaking of unbelievers, are without an excuse. How many know you can't separate science and creation? can't separate science from the creator. Why? Because the creation speaks of the creator. Yeah. The more you know creation, the more you'll know the creator. I'm not talking about hugging trees. I'm talking about the fact, yeah, you can do that too if you yeah. want. They won't hug back, but tr- <laughs> rocks will. trees will clap their hands and rocks will cry out. And the point is, is that all creation speaks, rocks will cry out. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Are you with me? Creation is declaring the glory of the Lord. So what I'm getting at is that these folks were tuned in to creation in a way that God actually spoke to them through creation. And again, I'm not talking about horoscopes and weird stuff and you know, all that. How many understand you don't want to be prophesied over by psychics? Why? Because who well, I'm giving away my message. No, I'm not, I will, I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. Da-da-da-da. Okay. Look at uh, verse chapter, Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. Are you okay? Yes. thought I'd calm down and get a breath. Where is he, verse 2, Matthew 2, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east and have come to worship. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, gathering together all the priests and the scribes and the people, he inquired, of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this it was written by the prophet, and out of you, Bethlehem of land of Judea, are by no means least among the leaders of Judea, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd his people. I wanted to point out that Jesus was prophesied, well, I'm gonna give away this part of the message. Four prophets prophesied where Jesus would be from, but none of them just disagre- none of them agreed. So they prophesied that Jesus would be out of four different places. I want to sh- I want to point out to you that God, through angels, moved Jesus from place to place to fulfill specifically the prophet's words. Okay. So now this prophet said that out of Judea he would be born. I mean, out of, out of Bethlehem. Sorry, Bethlehem of Judea. Look at Matthew chapter two, verse thirteen. Now, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, "Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt." And remain there, till I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and when it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. Now why did he go there? This was to fulfill the word spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt I've called my son. Okay, we're not done. Look at verse 19. When Herod died, and behold, the angel of the Lord appeared again in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, take up the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life were dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. When they heard that Arcuselus, whatever his name is, was remaining over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left the region of Galilee and came to a city called Nazareth. This was to fill what was spoken of through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. We're not done. Look at verse 12 of chapter 4. When Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulon and Napoli. And this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulon and the land of Nebuli, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan of Galilee, of of the Gentiles, the the people who were sitting in darkness, saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. I'm just pointing out that Jesus was moved four times to fulfill four different prophetic words by four different prophets who all said that Jesus was in four different places. (laughs) What I'm getting at is that Jesus, (laughs) what I'm getting at is when you pray and you prophesy, who fulfills your prophecies and answers your prayers? Angels. Psalms 103 verse 20 says, angels of the Lord, they hearken his voice and they answer and they carry out his word. When you pray and prophesy, what's actually happening? You, the, the angels are servants of those who receive salvation. When you pray and prophesy, the angels come and they fulfill your words and answer your prayers. Why do you not want to be prophesied over by a psychic? Well, people are like, well, they have bad words. Well, not necessarily. Remember Acts chapter 16? There was a woman, she had the spirit of divination on her, and she was following Paul and Silas. What was she saying? These are great men of God. You should listen to them. Yes. Right word, wrong spirit. Are you with me? Yes. So why don't you want psychics to prophesy over you? Because it releases demons to carry out their words. Guess what? You don't want to be attached to demons when <laughs> to have words come to pass in your life. Hello! Okay, it's getting better. Okay, uh, one more point. Here we go. Are you ready? Look at Luke chapter three, verse 23. Now, I don't know about you, and I pray you're not like me. I hardly ever read genealogies in the Bible. I hardly ever read them. I heard Leslie saying, I love them. Good for you, whatever. Who cares? So holy. Oh, it wasn't you? Okay, sorry. I should ask you for forgiveness from the podium. So sorry. Was that you, Melody? Okay, well, whoever it was, God bless you. It was the angel. I hardly ever read genealogies. It's probably why I can't pronounce their names because as soon as I get the genealogy, I'm like, and then I go on past the genealogy. But you can't actually read the story of Jesus and not read the genealogies because there's two genealogies in the story of Jesus. So I was trying to avoid it yesterday and I'm like, oh, maybe I should read this. And I want you, I want you to see something. Look at this, this is actually profound. It's actually, I think, my most powerful point. Look at Luke chapter 3, verse 23. And by the way, I'm not going to even try to read all this. When he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being, as it was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Eli, the son of Mahath, the son of Levi. And it goes on like that, right? He names 77 names, ending with the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Okay, so Levi traces the lineage of Christ to Adam, to God. There's one really cool point right here I'd like to make. He doesn't trace the lineage of Jesus through Abel or Cain. Remember Cain killed Abel? He, he traces him through Seth, which was, Seth was born after Abel was de- died, and Seth means God replaces him. Now you guys are like, I want to read those. Okay. And he traces Jesus' lineage back to Adam. Are you with me? Okay, now, look at this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, are you with me? So I'm saying, this is a different genealogy. Are you following me? Okay, look at this. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah was the father of Perez. And then it goes on like that, on and on and on. And it goes over to, look at verse five. To Solomon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. By Rahab, did you get that? By Rahab. Now, there are almost no women noted in Either genealogy, except for three women noted in Matthew's genealogy. Here's the first one, Rahab. Boaz was the father of Odom by Ruth. There's the second one. Odom was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, the third one, who had been the wife of Uriah, who had been the wife of Uriah. And Solomon was the father of, and it goes on to name about ten kings. And Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh, and these names all the way down to Josiah. And it goes on and on like that. And Zerubbabel was the father of this person, this person, all the way down. So the generations from Abraham are 14 generations from David to the deportation of Babylon. 14 generations from the deportation of Babylon to the Messiah. 14 generations. Are you with me? Okay, let's go back. Why is there two genealogies? There's one genealogy. That, that traces the lineage of Jesus back to Adam, yes. the father of sin. But the other genealogy, only traces Jesus' lineage back to Abraham, the father of faith. Yes. I'd like to point out that when you received Jesus Christ, you were born again. You were born again. How many know that when you were born again, you were born out of the lineage of Christ, the Messiah, not Mary's side, not Joseph's side, but Jesus's side. So no longer are you tied to the father of sin, Adam, to God, but you are tied to the father of faith, Abraham, and to the father of faith, David, who was promised a throne forever and forever. I'm saying, when you got born again, your lineage changed from Luke to Matthew. And now you were born, (laughs) you like this, now you were born out of the lineage of Christ, and there are kings, listen, specifically, specifically, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) specifically, there are kings and priests noted in the lineage of Matthew. He specifically names kings when Luke Luke names one king, he names ten or 12. And Luke names no priests, I think, and Matthew names like 12 priests. Why? Because you become, because Revelation 1 says that you are kings and priests. And how did you get there? Through the inheritance of your father David, who was a king, and Abraham, who was a priest and a prophet. Your lineage is flowing from priests and prophets, and that's why he's king of kings. Because you are some of the kings he's king over, because your lineage traces back through Christ, not to Adam, but to Abraham. (laughs) That's just a good word right there. And you're not even gonna believe this, but it says that there are 14 generations from Abraham right, to David. There's 14 more generations from David to the deportation when they went into Babylon. And then from Babylon to Christ, there's 14 more. But when you read the names, there's only 13. Do you know why? Because you were the 14th. You're the 14th. Jesus also had sons, thus you are. Sons of God. Anyone who's led by the Spirit is a son of God an heir of Christ Jesus, and whose throne do you sit on? You think you sit on the throne of Christ. You sit on the throne of David, and David and Christ sits on the throne of David, because David's throne's become the throne of Christ, because God prophesied to a human that he would rule forever. So Christ sat on the throne of David, so that the lineage of David flows to the sons of God, because you are kings and priests. This is such a good word. I'm even getting excited. Oh, it turned red up there. The blood of Jesus has freed me from the clock. I have to be done. I want you to stand. Christmas. Christ for the masses. What happens when I receive Jesus Christ? My lineage changes. My daughter Riley, I love her. She's on, she's on staff here. She's probably in the room somewhere. She's part of the security team. But she, she's, she's really into studying our lineage, the Valentin lineage. There were lots of believers in my Valentin lineage and we had, I think, one or two famous people. One of them was Felix Valentin. There's a, when we went to um, Switzerland, there's a there's a, a museum uh, named after him. And he's got lots of paintings in there. There are lots of naked people in there. <laughs> Not sure Felix was a Christian. And she's like, hey, Papa, there are famous people in our lineage. And I, and I was thinking last night when I was reading this, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Felix isn't the famous person in my lineage. <laughs> there is David. There is Solomon. Oh. There is Rahab, there is all these people who God's redeem, like Rahab. You get this. Rahab is in the lineage of Christ because God redeemed her. This is such a great story. Boaz is in my, you know, Zadok and 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 and, and Zeph- Zechariah and these people are all in my lineage. Like I, hey, who? Well, my, my great grandfather was was you know was George Washington. Well, my great great grandfather was Jesus Christ. And my great-great-great-grandfather was Abraham. And before him was David. Like, I, I come from kings, lineage of kings. And therefore, I should dress like a king. Yeah. <laughs> I, I added that later. That's not why I'm dressed this way, by the way. But I thought, you should know who you are and whose you are. This is Christmas. We're giving each other gifts, most of us, most of us, but in the presence is his presence. We gather around the tree and we tell the Christmas story. We gotta start telling the Christmas story. The power of Christmas is not a manger. It's an inheritance. Okay, now don't go home and tell your wife who's been with the kids all day, we had such a great time today. Holy Spirit fell, we saw the glory cloud, Chris was on fire. Don't, don't do that, don't do that. Just say, it was okay. I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing. All these, our, our, our family and friends online who are, who are with us, Lord, we pray that you would bless them. You said that you bring good news of great joy. And this is the gospel. Lord, we just release good news of great joy. Lord, we just we say, let the good news override all the crappy news, all the bad news. And Lord, we thank you that you were actually born in the midst of all that crap. But you became a beautiful king. And out of the worst circumstances, you turned it around and you made it beautiful. And Lord, we say there's something beautiful growing in your manger. I just want to say to everyone listening, there's something beautiful growing in the crap of that manger. You think something terrible is happening, but I'd like to point out that Christ rose from a manger like that and he will rise from your manger. He will rise from your issues, from your problems, from your place of frustration. And Lord, I bless every person who listens to this. I pray that hundreds of people would find Christ through this message, that they would change from the lineage of Luke to the lineage of Matthew. They'd get connected to Abraham, the father of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvellton.com. Have an awesome day.